welcome to another episode of the Meet the Translator podcast series. This episode is called Can You Manage? I'm about to talk to production director Alex Collot about his management experience in a translation agency. He's going to tell us all about his job and what he loves about it and he's also got some great advice for both for people interested in becoming project managers and also for freelance translators who work or want to work with translation agencies. Enjoy! Hi Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hi Dodd, uh, thank you very much for inviting me. I am doing great, thanks. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm really excited to find out more about you and what you do today. You told me that you started off as a translation project manager and now you're working as a production director. So how did you get into these roles and what does your job look like? Yeah, well, Colored Baca localization was started by uh, by me and by Alma Baca. Alma, as some people know, is my mother. Uh, in case you didn't know, that's uh, company secret is out there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I started as the production director slash uh, project manager. The project manager part was rather a thing that I had to do, you know, since we started as a boutique-sized uh, company. So it was like uh, production direction and also well, managing the projects that we have. It came as part of the, of, of the job, I guess. <laughs> and uh, now as we have been growing, uh, I have been stepping more and more into the directorial aspect, you could say. And now we have other project managers and I have handed off the post of managing the projects uh, to them with all the experience that I have acquired over the eight years that I have been doing this. Mm-hmm. How did you sort of get into it? Like, what did you do before you started this company or like what made you decide to start Call Up Back a Localization? Well, uh, before that, I was a student. I started out quite young, but, uh, you know, my mother and I, we decided like, hey, you know, we, we have always been very close and we decided it's really the family businesses are usually the strongest if they are well managed. And we decided like, hey, you know, we can really do something as a team. And it was, um, you know, my mother already had a translation business that I had that she started, you know, many years ago when I was really young. Some people may still know us as a business language solutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I haven't said that name in a long time. Yeah, so, you know, she already had that, and uh, so we took it from there. I've always been very good at, you know, I have very good grammar in Spanish, which is my mother tongue. We said, like, okay, you know, we already have this. Alex, you take on the the production aspect, you know, and uh, and Alma took over the part of uh, sales and, you know, directing the company. So that's how we started working as a team. We started growing, and eventually we stopped doing all of the work ourselves and we started onboarding freelance translators. So that's how we started working. You know, I started like, that's when I started managing the projects. I went from a freelancer myself to directing our translators, still doing some projects myself sometimes, but, you know, less and less. And now, yeah, managing the the translators and being more of a project manager in that that aspect. Mm -hmm. So you still do a bit of translation yourself as well alongside it? or? Ah, that's a good question. Actually, I haven't done a translation work in, 
I think a couple of years now. <laughs> it has, uh, it's becoming more and more like directorial for me now in, <laughs> uh, in you know, organizing things for the project managers. I don't know if this is going to be a question, but like I'm, I'm thinking I sometimes I miss a little bit doing it. Um, subtitling it is very, very fun. Uh, <laughs> I would love to do it even in my free time if I had any, <laughs> but no, I actually haven't done any any translation work myself in a while. Did it start out as a subtitling company or as a translation company or like, did it just start out all together, subtitling and translation? We started as a translation company. Uh, that, that's what it was before uh, when Alma started first uh, started Business Language Solutions. And little by little, you know, we, we grew, uh, we made more connections and eventually we had the opportunity of someone teaching me how to subtitle and well you know i took mm -hmm. it obviously we saw that as a great opportunity for growth and i thought that it was really really interesting even up until then i i had never thought like hey you know it's a human who creates the the subtitles <laughs> before that point i i never even thought some people think it's maybe like a machine but like the thought never even crossed my mind i i saw the subtitles in in movies and i guess i took it for granted <laughs> And so I, I was taught how to do subtitles and I trained some of the translators that we had uh, back then. I, I mm -hmm. transmitted the knowledge to them and we started taking on uh, subtitling projects. And little by little, we drifted in that direction, like as our main focus. And that's what we're doing now, like full time now. Mm -hmm. Subtitling is a lot of fun <laughs> as, as one of your freelancers. <laughs> <laughs> What does a typical day at work look like for you? Uh, oof, if there is such a thing as a typical day. <laughs> <laughs> so normally it's uh, wake up seven in the morning, check my emails to see what we got from the US. You know, we have our some of our clients in, uh, in, in California. Uh, so catch up a little bit with that, you know, get ready. I like to be ready normally before 10 in the morning. So, you know, I can... But one of the things uh, that probably many freelancers have learned is to actually have a schedule. I try as best as I can to follow one, you know, and um, so, yeah, be ready normally by, by 10 in the morning. Then just uh, take on whatever the uh, our clients in Europe start throwing at us, uh, you know, whether it be projects or, or follow up on, you know, whatever is uh, currently underway. Check on with the project managers you know, because they send us daily reports on the status of the projects that they're handling. So if anything requires attention, you know, I have a meeting with them uh, and check how things are going or if they require any assistance or help them handle things if necessary, if not like, you know, they're very capable. So, <laughs> and then by the afternoon, that's when our clients in the U.S. start becoming active and that's when the real fun begins. <laughs> You know how things in the U.S. are like they're the, the most uh, demanding clients like, hey, you know, this is we need this like super quick clients in Europe are super chill. Like, you know, it's OK, you know, no rush with this. The U.S. like fast, fast, fast. So, you know, we start getting the requests from them. And uh, well, my role now is uh, planning things. So if we get a request for something that's coming ahead, my my job now is like, OK, you know, take note of all of the the details of the project, all of the uh, guidelines that we have to follow, 
or any like specific scheduling, anything that is necessary, I take note of that and you know I orchestrate it and then I hand it off to the uh, to the project managers and um, I go to bed hopefully before midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like quite a long day. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> that's that's how it is when you're in charge. But that's uh, more or less what what I would call a a, a normal day. It's really interesting to hear it from the other side because obviously, as a translator myself, all I have to do is I'll get sent the translation. I just do the translation, send it back, and it have to worry. And apart from with direct clients. But with agencies, I don't usually I don't have to worry about all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious, what does the process look like from start to finish? So from when you get a new client, they contact you or you contact them or whatever, to actually delivering their work to them. How does that whole process look like? Uh, well, in very general terms, it's uh, we receive the request and, you know, like in- internally, we you know we we discuss the uh all of the details with the client we determine what needs to be done what we have to do what the project looks like or what kind of content this is going to be all the information that we can get we um Mm -hmm. sort of curate it we we order everything and we prepare everything in an like an orderly manner you could say and then uh once the project gets greenlit we i I send it off to the uh, project managers so you know whichever one is taking uh, i'm assigning to to the project and then he takes care of contacting the translators uh the translators then you know you guys do your magic uh (laughs) whatever needs to be translated will get translated subtitled etc etc then we retrieve the files internally and then we send them up we send them off to the uh to the client in you know whichever preferred method they have yeah, that's a that that's very like uh, in very very general terms. That's the process that we follow. There are some things that, of course, are like you know, company secrets that uh, I cannot share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like in in very like general terms, that's that's how it is. There's a and like you say, it is it is very interesting because there is a, a lot a lot of planning usually behind uh, projects, especially large ones. There's a lot of like scheduling and you know and lots of um, precautions like you know preventive measures taken also like okay you know what are we going to do if this person is not available or maybe if uh, we may be short on people for this language or especially like depending on the kind of content like okay you know who do we prefer to handle these kinds of projects or who is better with documentaries or series mm-hmm. and with series uh when we're talking about series if there is a glossary uh already available and if there isn't well we have to create one you know a, a, a lot of these things have to be prepared before mm-hmm. uh the project gets sent to the to the translators like all of this work has been done before you know we be, before we send the announcement and before we tell the translators that the project is ready to be started yeah it sounds like a lot of <laughs> Because I always, I always wonder as well, like, what do you do if you if you agree to do a project for a client and then it turns out like you're the translators that you were hoping to ask to do it are not available or if you don't have enough people in the right language pairs or what if a translator accepts it and then they fall ill or something? Like, how do you deal with it? Because I guess you st- you've agreed to do the project, so you still have to send something back to the client. 
Oh well, of course we have to. Oh well, that's uh, that's for us to to figure out. <laughs> of course we have to. Yeah, like you say, like you said, we we have committed to deliver to the client, and that is our our main priority. It's uh, in in terms of details, I would rather avoid. You know, uh, I, I would rather not give any particular details, but. Uh, the gist of it is we, we managed to do it and we managed to do it, you know, with quality, with the quality that the client is expecting. You know, if we are, mm -hmm. if we are short on people, that is our problem and, and we have to manage it. And of course, you know, we're, we're not going to go to, you know, some agency in, uh, in India and be like, Hey, you know, help us out or, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. We, yeah, we, we, we handle things ourselves and. We handle it professionally. Of course, the client, some clients uh, understand that there are uh, contingencies or there are unexpected situations. One time we had a, you know what? Not one time, more than once we've had translators who had appendicitis oh, really? midway through a project. Yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that? And um, oh boy, yeah, that is a situation that, you know, we you can be like, why do you get sick you know <laughs> we like how we dare have, you <laughs> yeah exactly no it, it's like you know it, it, it's it's a human factor so we have to we have to handle that of course you know we have to uh we, we handle it with a client properly and we also we have to like go and reassign it with someone else from the team i guess you have to have like a, a big enough pool of translators to be able to have backup translators for things like do you when you assign a project to a translator do you often have another translator in mind just in case they're not available or if they get sick or something or do you not really think about that until the time comes that you would need to well it, indeed yes uh the the secret is to have a big enough pool uh to have enough people to uh, as, as a backup you know in case mm -hmm. the one person that you want that you have in mind is uh, is not available what we do is we do have in mind always like you know what what if the person that we would normally prefer is not available for, for this task or for this job? We are constantly looking for people. We're constantly recruiting. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, we like to have a, a team as, as large, as big as possible because, you know, we work with freelancers. And, of course, there is always the possibility that they're going to be all busy. We have had situations where, like, in a team of, like, 30 people, uh, no one is available. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no it, it's it's a situation that we don't want to be in so of course we we are constantly bringing more more and more people to cover our butts what's your favorite thing about being a production director oh uh <laughs> i would say it's uh being able to interact with so many cultures like I, you know, on a personal level, I love languages. You know, I, one of the things that I do on my spare time, whenever I get any, is just like, okay, I'll open a new tab and research like whatever new language that I learned about or like, I just think, hey, you know, how size a language? I wonder how it works. So I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> and, you know, having the opportunity to interact with people who are, native to these languages and who are uh, who come from these cultures that are so vastly different from mine that's just i don't know that's that's exciting for me you know when 
when we require to add a new language to our pool, like, you know, going through that whole onboarding process that for me is very exciting to be like, oh, you know, we're going to be working with this new language and, you know, looking at the subtitles written in a completely unfamiliar script to me, that's uh, pretty cool. I, you know, it's, uh, it's almost like a childish thing, you know, to be looking at something pretty or something cool or something interesting, but um, that's uh, my, one of my two uh, favorite things about being uh, the production director. The second one is I, when things are clear in a project and when everything is very like straightforward, I love planning out things. I am a very methodical person. I like things being like, you know, right and everything in its place. And I like arranging things in such a way that they will flow out smoothly. And that, that's, that's one part of my, my job. Uh, for example, like, you know, writing processes for new projects or for new clients or for new kinds of, of new kinds of projects. So, you know, writing out the, the process that we're going to follow is like, oh, I don't know, it's like almost like building a puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting that you say that because I'm thinking about um because you're because you're also an artist aren't you on the side and I'm thinking about I've seen your um artwork on Instagram and it <laughs> it goes quite well with what you're saying that you're quite a methodical person everything that the way that your how your art looks like is. I, I I had forgotten that you that you know my art and I was I was thinking <laughs> as I was saying that I was thinking like yeah I I also apply this to my art. <laughs> I can definitely tell that. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously um, the past year has been like, I mean, there's been a pandemic. Have things been different for you? Has your job been different? How has everything changed? Well, it's a little little bit hard to tell because the main differences have been from outside. Like not for us personally, not, not for me personally, but like at first the amount of work that we got from clients of course, there was a, a decrease for a moment while the, wor- the whole world uh, figured out this mess. Then uh, also with the translators, well, you know, some of them were not fully available or uh, especially going back to this guy who had appendicitis, like, you know, in, in his words, try to imagine uh, being in a hospital during times of a pandemic, like, you know, it's uh, craziness. But yeah, to be honest, it hasn't actually been that different for us. We we uh, we, we deal with uh, freelancers, and all of our work is like you know how do you say this like on a distance or or, or by distance. Um, you know, with the client, we don't we don't deal with uh, people like personally really. Mm-hmm. So like on like uh, a grocery store or something where where people physically come in, like we don't we haven't seen ourselves like affected that way in my work specifically like hasn't actually uh, been that much different are you working from home and were you working from home before anyway I guess and everything is via email and so do all of your project managers also work sort of from wherever they are as well you don't actually have like a team together in an office correct correct yeah the, the, the project managers each work from home I mean it, it's kind of the same for me like I was working from home anyway so not an awful lot changed (laughs) for my work yeah for anyone who's listening to this and 
is thinking that they want to be a project manager or go down that sort of career path? Do you have any advice for them? Put everything in writing. <laughs> the more, yeah, the, the more organized you can be with your work, the better. One thing that I have found to be a very successful step is to create like, you know, little events on my calendar for deliveries. That is mm -hmm. super helpful. <laughs> so, so many things coming to mind also. But uh, I, I think the number one thing would be like focus on being very well organized, uh, you know, put everything in writing. Like, you know, each company works differently. I don't know about other, you know, how other companies uh, have their uh, project managers handle the work. But, you know, I guess either the company provides you with a specialized software to like, you know, organize your projects or, you know, if they don't just take matters into your own hands and have a little like Google Sheets document where you, you know, put it, have everything in writing where you, you know, write down where, what projects you're working on because things can get mixed up. Important information can be lost or you can forget about something if you're working just from memory. So put everything in writing and if it is set in stone, like you can just go and check it and you know, everything comes to mind. You can even remember like, oh, you know, yes, that's right. They needed the, the document in this format or we have to do this little thing differently. You know, those those little things go a long way. I feel like that's, um, I could probably take some of your advice as well, even as <laughs> obviously I'm not a project manager, but so often I'm like, I'm having to like go back and scroll through emails to be like, wait, what did they say I have to do? <laughs> or like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Actually, I'm going to ask you one of the questions that somebody sent in that relates to this, because um, somebody was asking, what tools do you use to stay organized? Like, do you have any tools that you'd recommend? Or we we work with Una, which is a translation project uh, management tool. It's specially uh, developed for, for managing translation projects. So that by itself does the trick. We take note of everything. All of our projects are noted in UNA and we can follow up with them. We can track the translator's progress. Aside from that, we also have, you know, well, I have my trustworthy calendar. <laughs> uh, to, you know, to set myself up uh, reminders or, you know, important things to, to take note of. And aside from that, like our project managers also use, uh, you know, their sticky notes to take note of important things, you know, little things aside from UNA, uh, but UNA is like the number one uh, main tool that we use. And actually, I, I would like to go back a little bit to, you know, what I, what I advise for people who are thinking of uh, becoming project managers, um, because this is a thing that maybe some people don't really like pay too much attention to, or, or not many people may, may have in mind. But as a project manager, you are the link between the, the client and the translators. So focus on your communication. Always make sure to relay the important information from the client to the translator and from the translator to the client. There are, you know, of course, we're all human. You know, either the client can omit some information or the, the translators can might, you know, overlook something. So keeping in constant communication with both ends is extremely important so that the client will receive what, what they need, you know, what they want and what they need, what, which in the end is what we're working for. 
so mm -hmm. you know for instance like even if the if the client gives you a project you know if the client wants i don't know some something translated from english into into french like you know as if the translator doesn't ask for a formality table you know like how each character addresses each other you know in french there's two and vous. so if the translator doesn't ask about this like you may be quick enough to think like you know oh okay i'm going to uh think about this in advance like hey you know do you have a formality table for for this series you know little things like that uh attention to detail and making sure that the translators have the information that they need and when the translators ask something uh, to be able to relay that information to the client like in a way that they can understand because not all of the clients are like very well versed in in our language uh, so sometimes just uh, do, doing a, a straight up like copy paste of the translator's question is not really going to do you know you may have to do a little rewarding or or changing or putting things in a way like in uh, vernacular, you know, in a way that the that the client will understand and and will be able to reply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting that you're saying that because as a translator, I've worked with obviously with agencies, but I also work with direct clients, and it's also something that I have to do when I'm obviously when I'm asking agencies, I'm aware that I'm asking them questions that are then going to have to be like I have like my one contact point who's the project manager, and then they have to ask the client or whatever, and it goes backwards and forwards. But with direct clients, it's I can with with some of my direct clients I even have access to their whole team so I can ask who whichever person on the team is the relevant person to ask and not just like <laughs> the person in charge of the localization project but I do have to like be like okay are they actually going to understand what I'm talking about because I know <laughs> they don't really know anything about translation or subtitling a lot of the time so it's interesting in a way the project manager may even be acting as a translator <laughs> Or an interpreter between the client and the and the translators. Yeah, that's a good good way of putting it, actually. Is there anything that you wish that translators knew with regards to when they're working with project managers or agencies? There is is there anything you wish that translators knew? Hmm, interesting question. Anything that the I wish the translators knew, I would probably think better things that I wish they the project managers knew. We may uh, go back to that question later because I, I may have to think a, a little bit about that one because that is a that is a very interesting question and I I know I can feel that there's something there that I I would like to say, uh, but nothing comes to mind uh, right at this moment. But very good very good question. I just thought because like something that you might not want to directly tell translators or but that you were like oh I wish that they knew about this or I wish that they would just. <laughs> Oh, oh, you know what? Yes, yes. One thing that is coming to mind. Well, obviously, in the medium that we work in, you know, I've had many people who are like, you know, either new to the team. Uh, well, mostly, yeah, with new people who, you know, we send them an announcement for a new project and they're like, can I look at the materials? Can I look at the materials in the medium where we work? Like, it, that is a very touchy um, subject. And we, rarely if ever like actually never we can never share the materials with the with the translators before giving them uh, a confirmation of the project so i wish uh, the translators could understand this a little bit better that well you know of course everything is uh, protected by nda 
and mm -hmm. we cannot just be sharing, you know, sending around materials. I think that this would be an important thing to keep in mind. And of course, you know, naturally as a translator, you need to know what you're going to be working with. You know, we are well aware of that. So something that is uh, better to ask instead of, you know, asking to have this material sent to you, like, you know, maybe ask more for more information, like what kind of content it's going to be, uh, if it's an episodic or, you know, try to, I, I guess, try to think what you would like to know about the content or what you would mm -hmm. like to verify if you were to watch the video and put that into questions. You know, mm -hmm. naturally, if the, yeah, maybe the title cannot be shared right away, but, you know, you can ask like, hey, what kind of series is this? Is it heavy on dialogue? Uh, is it like a political drama where I'm going to have to research the whole political system in the US, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I had something else in mind. Oh, yes, um, I only had one instance of this happening, but I guess it would be worth it mentioning. So many translators, I, I'm not sure if you own like your own subtitling software, like like easy titles or wing caps or something like that. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, that, that's very common and these are all like e extremely good software. Uh, one time I had someone who was like a little, maybe not open, we could say, to working with a, an online tool such as Una. You, of course, have made a, a big investment in this software. Uh, I know that, you know, easy titles and, and wing caps, like licenses are not, are not cheap because they're like very specialized software and they're very good software. And, you know, like translators want to, uh, of course, favor using the tools that they have invested in. And some of them may not be, be very like open to the idea of working in a, uh, an online platform such as Una. But um, some clients prefer this method of working because uh, when they send us the materials, like they stay in-house, you know, the translators don't download anything. Mm -hmm. And of course, we trust the translators as very extremely responsible people, but this is a preventive measure. You know, we don't know if someone is going to get hacked or if their computer gets stolen or, you know, what have you. So mm -hmm. this is a way where we prevent material from uh, being like, what's the word, uh, leaked, you know? So I, I would advise maybe like, be open to working with other tools, I guess, <laughs> with, with, uh, with online tools. Yeah. I mean, I think like working with agencies, it's like most of the agencies I work with, they want you to use the online tools and it makes sense. It's just like with direct clients where you need to use your own. So like, I feel like it's understandable. <laughs> I mean, working with the online tools. What you said earlier about asking for the material, I, I completely get that because I've definitely done that before where I've said, can I see, like, can I have a sample of the material? But it's usually if I'm not get if there's not enough information provided, then I'll be like, I need to know more. But a lot of the time with subtitling, it's when there's no, when the, if there's no transcript, I'm more concerned about the quality of the thing or, or I just want to check they don't have a weird accent or they're not like mumbling or anything like that because I think I find like when there's no transcript the hardest part of subtitling is being like what are they actually saying yes. like what what I don't want to accept the project and then be like I can't actually understand anything that's being said even though it's in the it's in like my source language you can't always <laughs> understand no I, I absolutely everything like I don't understand everything in English that people say I absolutely understand that that is actually very um uh, yes yes that that is definitely understandable for you as well 
sometimes what we do in those cases is allow uh, the translators access to the project in uh, in Una just so they play it and so they can get a little familiar with it. But we also try to like cover our backs in case like a bad surprise may come up where, for example, we had a sort of a surprise with uh, a project that the client, well, the client is French and they told us like, okay, we need this uh, project uh, subtitled from Dutch into French. We're like, okay, cool, no problem. But then it turns out that it was not uh, Dutch, but it was Flemish. I don't speak Dutch, uh, so I had no way of knowing it. Neither did the project manager. Uh, and we didn't find out until the translator was working on it. And he said like, hey, you know, these people have an extremely thick accent and they're talking through a Skype call and I cannot make out what they're saying. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we will always have those kinds of surprises, which is, you know, also understandable uh, as unfortunately, as good as our processes may be, there will always be those little like instances where something like unexpected slips through. That, that is also very understandable what, what you're saying there, uh, especially I would say with uh, like interview material, like you, you, you want to be careful with those. Uh, and we, when we get interview materials, like we, uh, at least at, at first we try, we screen the materials and we make sure that the quality of the audio is good and that it's clear and, you know, that there are not like many people involved or, you know, try, try to give some base information so that the, the translators can have an, an, an idea at first. If it really comes to that, like, yeah, we can, we can allow the translators some temporary access to it to, to listen to it. That makes sense. <laughs> I guess you just want to have it like, so everybody is happy with, the, with what they're working on and everyone knows what they're doing and can actually do it. Correct. <laughs> When you need new translators, when you're looking for new freelance translators, where do you look for them and how do you decide which translators to add to your pool? Well, normally the our first go-to is uh, pros, pros.com. Just a quick question. Is that how you say it? Because I've, I've heard people say, calling it pros. I used to call it pros <laughs> I mean, I think I call it pros, but I'm, I'm also not 100% sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they may want to have that on their on their intro page maybe <laughs> um but yeah that's a that's a that, that's our first go-to it's a, an extremely good platform i it's the most complete that i have seen so far they are really thorough with their processes they do everything manually you know they have people checking constantly and uh, it's the site that allows for the best, for like the most amount of information that you can gather from a person. And, but we also use uh, commonly uh, Translators Cafe. And there's another site that is uh, not as known, but we have found a couple of good people there called the translationdirectory.com. Mm -hmm. And then we also, uh, another tool that we have also found extremely useful is uh, just LinkedIn. We sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. look for people on LinkedIn who may either not be easy to find on pros or just to like do some sort of a filtered uh, search and we get in touch with them directly. Now, the people that uh, we usually favor, that, that was the other part of the question, right? Yeah, like what, like how do you choose which translators to add to your pool? Ah, yeah, uh, well, uh, usually the people that are the most, like you could say out there, 
meaning people who have lots of like who offer many ways to contact them like you know if, if you have a website that's a very good indication for us giving references like you know people that we can get in touch with who uh, ask about you know uh, the work that you have done for them people who also give uh, examples of what they have done in the particular area that we're looking for you know for instance we sometimes we post uh, job announcements and we will get people who are just like regular text translators when we like specifically said that we're looking for subtitlers just like you know come on <laughs> or people who say like okay i'm interested in this subtitling job and then they send us their cv but it doesn't have any mentions of subtitling experience you know so we uh we choose people who have like good communication uh, skills and being able to put mm -hmm. clearly for us uh how you fit the job uh that is a good communication skill again people who give us like their their, their contact like you know can reach me by phone or Skype or any other way. That's also good to know because, you know, contingencies or any sort of like emergency, uh, anything that could happen, like it's good to uh, know that we can get in touch directly with the translator. Of course, you know, we're, we're not going to call you at <laughs> two in the morning, but, you know, for, for quick communication, especially email may take sometimes a little bit too long or, you know, it may be that we need an emergency like change requested by the client. You know, those, those little things, like it's a relief for us to know that we can count on this person and that, that we can get in touch with them. So credentials, like, you know, having studied translation or having studied anything that is uh, related to the particular field that we are looking for. You know, we have some people who have studied cinematography who don't have like formal training as translators, but part of their job as a, as a, I don't know, a producer or an editor has presented them with the opportunity to develop subtitling as a skill. We also look into that and well, that's, um, <laughs> I, I guess that that's the, 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 the main things that we keep, that we keep in mind. It's interesting to hear, like, I think it will be useful for because a lot of translators listen to my podcast. So I think like from their perspective as well, it's useful to know like what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what? One thing that uh, one thing that we really like is when people contact us, like it, it's OK to have like your introduction letter. But most of the times it's, you know, very reassuring when you get a message from someone like addressing a specific project. You know, saying like, hey, you know, I saw this uh, job posting uh, where you're looking for people for this and this and this. I have done this and this, you know, in, the, in this area. And, you know, just uh, giving giving us the sort of like acknowledgement that you read through the details of the, of the job posting. You know, that's already like a very reassuring thing. Like, okay, you know, this person takes the time to read uh, the, the guidelines and, and what is needed of the project. Yeah. I mean, because then you can, I guess, know that when you send them a project, they're going to actually read the guidelines of that project <laughs> and do the, yes, do the work. Exactly, the yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I had a question as well, which I've just forgotten. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Keep everything in writing. <laughs> I need to start taking your advice. When you sort of communicate with your translators via email, like how 
I was just thinking because some like with with the different project managers that I work with I know like some prefer to stay very formal and they're like dear blah 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 like can you I don't know yeah just, just speak in a very formal way and then some it's like you're sending emojis and being like happy Monday like does it really like make a difference to you like what what do you how do you prefer to communicate with translators and well no that, that is actually a very good question I um for us um you know, we, we try to keep things, uh, you know, friendly, uh, but professional. Uh, that, that's pretty much our, our company personality. You know, we, I also like <laughs> to wish people a happy Monday. It's, um, you know, we're, we're not like lawyers or something like that. You know, we, we don't yeah. <laughs> need to call each other Mrs. and Mr. It's, um, it, you know, be, being professional doesn't mean necessarily being extremely formal. You can be friendly and also like have very good communication. I like to see communication that will be like, you know, that will feel like, like rounded, you know, like complete. Personally, in my emails, I always start like, hi, you know, hello, and I hope you're doing well, you know, things like that. At least like some introduction uh, that keeps it professional, even if the rest of the email is going to be like, you know, a little bit more friendly. So I guess keeping a tone of like similar to that, like, for me personally, uh, helps like, you know, calm things down a little bit and being like, okay, you know, here's what we have to do, but, you know, we're, we're still people and, you know, we can act nice to each other. Mm-hmm. I guess it's good to be like, to be approachable on both ends because it's not as scary if you, like for translators, like it's not as scary having to ask like loads of questions about a project you know like oh is that a silly question or this kind of thing but if like you're kind of friendly with the project manager then it's like oh I'm sure they're not gonna like (laughs) they're not gonna be offended (laughs) by me asking like a whole bunch of questions or something like that (laughs) yes extreme formality can sometimes be a little like intimidating (laughs) yeah we are I mean we are all just human at the end of the day (laughs) yeah yeah and that's also another advice I would give to people thinking of being project managers like you know I guess it would be this would be probably better for translators, but like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, you may think it's a silly question, but you know, in the in the end, it may turn out to be something really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and again, that's also good communication. Just you know, if, if if something is important, you think it's important enough to like, you know, think about it. Like, it's no problem if if you ask. Most people don't mind, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, yeah, this was a very interesting thing uh, and very, very nice to like externalize some thoughts uh, that are part of like my daily life or things that I maybe take for granted. (laughs) Um, I hope this is helpful for for the people listening, both translators and people who are already project managers or maybe interested in becoming project managers. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. And I've learned a lot as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you very much, Todd. Thank you. Thanks again to Alex for joining me on this podcast episode. It's been really interesting hearing about the management side of translation. If you want to get in touch with Alex or check out Call Up Back a Localization, check out the show notes. Let me know what you thought of this episode and send me an email at meetthetranslator at gmail.com.